0: What's up, y'all? What's up? Um, it's your boy, Leader Johnson. We are here on the sports podcast, Follow the Leader. And yes, yes, we are here, brought to you by Anchor.fm. All right. Um, right. Let's get to it. All right, let's get to it. First off, I want to talk about some of the uh, things that uh, uh, yesterday was Fan day. Every Monday um, Fan Day is here. and I want to definitely talk about Fan Day and basically what Fan Day offers. It offers y'all to bring up subjects about what y'all like, you know what y'all into which I want to know about and what I should talk about. It could be anything, you know. I get a lot of Villanova things and a lot of questions about uh, NBA and draft and all that. So now let's get to it. Um, The first thing was, you know, we was all talking about, you know, Jay Wright and Steve Lapis, which is always a good, um, basically two family members, Nova Nation. And, you know, um, i just say that because it's a lot of downplay on Steve Lapis. And I think things need to be cleared up. I'm very into that notion of things being cleared up. Um, you look at what Steve Lapis did, you know, first he won an NIT basketball championship with guys like Kerry Kittles and Jonathan Haynes, you know, uh, Jason Lawson, you know, uh, E-Birds, it was all there. And it started, it started a lot. And then they, you know, they had their reign in the Big East. And a lot of people was like, well, this team should have went far. This team should have did this. It was just more competitive in college basketball back then. I think people are totally crazy to think. I mean, listen, during them times, the nineteen ninety six draft happened, and look how deep that draft was. If if it was now, guys like Ebers and Jason Lawson would have been on basketball team. like getting productive minutes, which is so more competitive back in those nineties, man. It just was. It was better players coming out of college basketball. Guys stayed four years. You know, guys wasn't really staying one and two years, especially one year. You had to be special to stay one year. You had to be a special talent to be a guy out of high school, you know? And um, you know, through guys that were juniors and even if you came out as a sophomore, that was amazing. So guys that were juniors and seniors were always looked at, you know. Um juniors was your 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 far-fetched, you know, if you're that good, you're looking at the junior aspect of it. Like they already knew as a junior you were coming out from high school. Now they'd be like, yo, he's coming out after his first year. You know. Um, seniors would look that big. You look at the seniors that came out random times, you know. Uh, that, that was so good. Just look at it. Look at the Tim Duncans. Look at the Ed O'Bannons. Look at the, you know, Carrie Kittles. Just look at them. Look at the guys that came out. You know, what they did in college. You just have to compare. Chris Webber came out as a sophomore. Shaquille O'Neal came out early. Alan Iverson came out early. You just have to look at certain Athletes, and then you have to compare. But back to Lapis and what happened uh, with, with everybody. Look at the Big East back then. Ray Allen played for UConn. Iverson played for Georgetown. John Wallace played for Syracuse. Daniel Abrams played for Boston College. Shane Holloway for Signal. I mean, St. John's had Felipe Lopez and Ron Artest. Whoever, who remembers the Felipe Lopez hype? How good that that duo was. Um, it was big. But let's talk about what I said. I said that he he now Jay Wright is the better coach, all around coach. Um, he recruits the most talented players out of high school, the highest caliber rated players out of high school. You know, just 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 in we were talking about quantity. He, he has a handful when he has his recruiting classes. He has some people from two thousand nine. to so when he recruited uh Divincenzo when he recruited spellman when he recruited Brunson years and years in a row but when the NBA hits so far right now we're looking Jay Wright has led a lot of people from Darius from Darian Hillard to um to the, the Dante DiVincenzo to Josh Hart to Michael Bridges Sadiq Bey is coming out now Michael uh, um excuse me not Michael Bridges again the <laughs> you know uh just looking at – because it was a time when he wasn't getting guys going to the league. Scotty Reynolds didn't go. Corey Fisher didn't go. Corey Stokes didn't go. You know, Frazier didn't live up to what he was supposed to really, you know, because he was big coming out. Jason Frazier was big coming out of high school. He was really looked at. Malik Wayans, you know, he had his time. But another guy – I mean, it, it's just, you know, in that 2009 class, who even – nobody went anywhere. We look at Lapis and what he had. You know, of course, Ebers was drafted and Lawson and all those guys, but he had three golden tickets, I call them, three golden tickets. Three. And that was um, Tim Thomas, Kerry Kittles, who was recruited by Mass but he wasn't his recruit. I'm just saying. You, you recruit somebody, you get recruited, but they're not with you on your team. They're not your recruit no more. You just basically gave one away. I mean, if they didn't follow you, because recruits follow people. They do. They they, they they either decommit, go to other places, or they follow you. You recruited somebody, but they wasn't your recruit. He didn't get coached by Mass Amino. Kittles got coached by Lapis. Um, Alvin Williams, out of Philly. And you look at how long these guys play. was only played eight seasons. But man, fourteen points a game. He was a defensive guy. He was he was in the finals. He was he was with winning teams. He he probably had the most successful career out of um if you're looking at Villanova players, I know Ed Pickney was with Boston, you know, playing with that with that um with that good Boston team good Boston teams, but what did he do? Did he start? No. The guy who started was Killers. Killers was starting around guys like Jason Kidd and Keon Martin. You know? Like, you have to really look at that brand. Tim Thomas played eight this <laughs> and Tim Thomas also left as a one and done. And, and I don't care what nobody says, oh, Mari Spellman is a one and done. I, I don't even see how people do that because he redshirted hit. For one, he didn't choose – he didn't come and they say, okay, we're going to redshirt you with the possibility to play. He couldn't play. He could not play. There was no – he could not play. To me, if you redshirt, period. I'm going to do a couple of segments of this. Um, it's the first segment. If somebody says, look, you can't play this year. And you're granted a red shirt. That's different. <laughs> you can't play. So they're going to say, look, we're going to let you be a freshman next year. It wasn't like, OK, I'm looking at my roster and we're going to red shirt you this year. The coach didn't make that decision, even though he could play as a threat. That this crazy. I'm looking at all analysts talk and it makes no sense. It makes no sense. You can't say he's not a one-and-done if he didn't play one in a period. If you really want to be period about it, you can't say a person's not a one-and-done. You can't say, oh, he's not a one-and-done. He's not a one-and-done. He didn't play this year. It's the same thing I said about the Ben Simmons thing. Ben Simmons didn't even play a, a preseason game. If he played a preseason game, you have a little argument. You have a little argument. You don't have no – Ben Simmons didn't play a preseason game. It's because he was around people. That's not playing. He's around trainers and stuff. That's not – that's not a season. So even if a guy was out five years in a row and he was around people, he's not a rookie. You got to play. (laughs) You have to play. So he was around people all his career. He never played one game. Every year he's about to start playing. He never played one game. That makes no sense. Oh, he's expensive. It makes no sense. A rookie is a rookie. And I kind of would agree if a guy didn't play five years and he started out as an 18, 19 year old and he's 23 now. And he finally steps on the court. You're like, well, he needs to get some type of uh, non rookie status. That's that's a better argument. Because he is five years in the game, but at the same time, he's 18 and 19, which means, you know, most seniors end up being 22, 23 when they first play, if they if they play four years in college. So that's not like totally crazy if you're looking at his age. I'm just telling the truth about things. Y'all wanna get technical. Everybody wanna get technical. Let's let's get real technical. If a guy comes in and he's 28 and he's a rookie. He's, he's never played. He's coming out of college and he was drafted by a team and he didn't get to play for 10 years. and His rookie season was 28. Then you have to say, whoa, this guy's too, too, too old to be a rookie. You have a you have an argument. But if a man steps off his first year in the league. I think three years should be considered. If he, if he can't play and he's in practice, he gets hurt three times in practice and never plays a preseason or a season game, that man's a rookie. That, that man is a rookie. You have to step on the floor and get battle. You have to get battle scars. You have to get war wounds. You have to have a resume on the court. I just don't get the whole fact. And In this instance, Ben Simmons, one year. One year. It was, I was almost disagreeing with the Joel Embiid situation, which I did. Like, how do you give – he didn't play enough games. It sounds crazy. You're a rookie. You're not a rookie. But when you play and you dominate more than Brogdon did, you didn't play enough games. Like, Brogdon's not even on the same conversation as a Joel Embiid. He wasn't his rookie year. He wasn't the second year Embiid played. He wasn't the next year Embiid played. So that was another mistake. Embiid should have been rookie of the year. In a way, I think they gave Ben Simmons their rookie of the year to make up for Embiid not getting rookie. It's kind of crazy. Like, he didn't play enough games. He had minutes restriction. But he dominated. And I'm t- Let's give Malcolm Brogdon the same minutes restriction. How about that? What do you think he would have did? Looking at his averages as a rookie, what do you think he would have did? I'm just saying. All right, now, you go back to the uh, Villanova pros and you look at what Tim Thomas did as, as as a guy that played in this game. And he had great success. He had great success. I really think that when you look at So many of the players that have come accustomed to playing for uh, Villanova, people just forget that those three Villanova players were good. in the pros, Alvin Williams played on playoff Toronto teams. Hiddles, Thomas played on playoff teams. In the playoffs, he played with multiple teams. I think multiple people wanted Thomas. Like period. Multiple teams wanted Thomas. We're not gonna go to the college part. I'm not gonna talk about the college part and who stayed there and all that. Because Tim Thomas was the best player I ever saw. I ever he's the best player I ever saw. He he averaged eleven and a half points, four rebounds. Okay, he shot seventy-five percent from the field. He shot a career percentage from three or 36 percent and 43 percent from the field his first year he had 23 minutes a game and had 11 points a game that's what the sixes staying in philly he had multiple multiple um he had multiple double figure years of scoring his highest year 15.8 a game Playing for the Knicks. Yeah, that was his best year, 15.8 points a game, 4.8 rebounds, one steal. He shot 40% from three. He shot 81% from the field. I think he was at his peak even more. You know, he, he was really a good player. Milwaukee averaging 14.7 during his little 10 year there. Every team he was with. Except Dallas. He was on the bench for Dallas. 2009, 2010. Anybody remember that year? Look it up. What happened during that year? All right, 7.5 points a game. I really believe that Tim Thomas is one of those guys that's overlooked, and what he really added, what he really added. To basket to 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 his resume. His resume is an underrated resume. And then he quit. You know, he did uh, the one-year deal was the last. You know, go take care of his wife. Tim Thomas was a, a successful NBA player. He was a productive NBA player. He's not going to be anywhere in the Hall of Fame, but he's productive. Kerry Kittles, another guy who was productive. You're not going to go to the Hall of Fame, but you remember Kerry Kittles. Alvin Williams might be the less remembered, remember, but you're talking about what he did. He didn't really average too much great, you know, stats in, in that time. I mean, but he, produ- he produced. That's the thing. He produced. He was a good point guard. and He was a true point guard. And he remind me of, like, Greg Anthony. If I had to compare him to anybody, it would be Greg Anthony. You know, he had two double-figure years, his best year. He averaged 13 points a game, 5.3 assists, three rebounds, 1.4 steals in Toronto, 2002-2003. You look at Kerry Kittles and what he was able to offer as a player, what did he do? You ask, his, his best year, though, was uh, his second year, in which he averaged 17 points a game for New Jersey in 1997-98. You know, 4.7 rebounds, 2.3 assists, 1.7 steals. He, he was he was clearly a real good defensive player, 80% from the field. Um, he shot 41% from three, 44% from the field. Like, he really had a good uh, eight-year career. He really did. Um, his first year, he averaged 36 minutes a game. I mean, just to know how important he was when he was drafted, he was immediately placed in the start lineup. And if we want to talk about other guys, like we just want to talk about some Jay Wright guys. You know, Dante DiVincenzo was one, you know, in particular. He hasn't really got there yet, but he's growing. 9.4 points a game last year, 4.9 rebounds, 2.3 assists. He's growing. He's doing more Uh Michael Bridges last year. Michael Bridges continues to get so continues to get better, averaging eight point seven points a game, four rebounds, one point eight assists, improving from last year in points and rebounds. Just like Dante has improved from the year before, you know. Josh Hart is always a beast. I mean, Josh Hart averaging 10, his best year last year, ten point two points a game, six point five rebounds, improved from both his previous years. All right you got Amari Spellman. These guys are trying to. He had 7.6 points a game, 4.5 rebounds. A guy I think is underrated. I don't know why he keeps getting traded. It's kind of crazy to me. To be real, it was kind of crazy. Uh, he also shot 39% from three last year. Anybody? Yeah. 43% from the field is not good for a big man. He has to get more on that. But he's a shooter. You know, 79% from the free throw line. I think whoever – listen, Minnesota has a guy they can put in there to be a power forward and really do some damage, really do some damage. I I think they need to think about that. Amari is a talent. Out of all the guys drafted, there's two guys I.J. Wright has that I feel like is Amari and Dante. The talent they have. I'm talking about literally the talent they have. This is not talking about the, the talent itself is better than Josh Hart, Michael Bridges, Jalen Brunson. You got a, a man at 6'8", who can play, 245, who can play the center, can play power forward, and, and, and defend both of them and shoot. He's just learning about he wasn't a one and done. It's crazy. And his situation, this, let's just look at the situation. I don't even want to break down nothing else. His situation, he couldn't have played if he wanted to. I just think it's crazy. It's out of it's out of sight. Like it's out of like yo. It, it's crazy. But Lapis produced the most productive NBA player. And then I said in one post, I was like, Tim Thomas is the um. Tim Thomas is the. Tim Thomas is the most, you know, he's the best player I've ever seen in the little uniform. I've seen him personally watching his career. And, you know, one guy was like, oh, we're talking about a guy that played four years. Well, he didn't have to play four years. He even played one year and was in the lottery. I mean, that pretty much sums it up for anybody. Even Spellman wasn't in the lottery, and I think he should have stayed to be a sophomore. He would have been in the lottery the next year. I think Dante would have been in the lottery the next year. I just think they they both left too early. But hey, go get the money. You see, you see what happened with Spellman, right? And you know Dante's doing his thing. He's getting all. I mean, you get so many people talking good about him. But if these guys would have stayed, they would have been plugged. I think they would their futures would have been solidified as as starters. They would have really showed, and then Villanova would have won another basketball championship. And then they would have came with two rings. And, you know, it's different. We go to Jalen Brunson also. Jalen Brunson is another guy. Look at him. What did he do? 8.2 points a game. He went down from last year. He went up in assists and rebounds by .1. 8.2 points, 2.4 rebounds, 3.3 assists. Such a good point guard, man. He's just such a good NBA player. Like, he was – I think out of all the the players we're talking about, he's the more NBA IQ – his basketball IQ is better than anybody. Talking about who's ready for the NBA mentally, it was Jalen Brunson. He just has a patience about himself. You know, but talent-wise, Tim Thomas, man. But impact-wise, it's Kerry Kittles. It's Kerry Kittles came right in. Who coached him? Okay. You have, I, I think the Lapis just doesn't get his due. you talking about the teams. Oh, come on, man. You know how many teams Jay Wright had that didn't do what they were supposed to do? Come on. Let's, let's keep it on this. Let's keep it real, man. Let's just keep it real. How many teams did Jay Wright have that didn't do what they were supposed to do? Seriously. Before 2016, what was it looking like? Then we go to Aaron Hiller. What did he do? What did my guy, Darren Hiller, do? All right. You know, Darren Hiller did a lot in, in G League. He didn't really do He only played three seasons so far in the NBA. He's overseas now. You know, if you want to talk about it, he did. His three years averaged 30. What he had, he had a 38% from the three point line his first year in the league. I mean, let's talk about some good stuff about him. In 2017, 2018, he hit 85% from the uh free throw line. Dante Cunningham, let's talk about Dante Cunningham. Can we talk about Dante Cunningham? Can we do that? Dante Cunningham's another guy. You know, he's been playing he had five point eight points a game. you talk about stats. And excuse me, y'all. Dante Cunningham, um, doing what he did in Villanova and doing what he did here is just different. Talk about his stats and what he does and what he can do. The type of player he is. I mean, people have to like him. I mean, he's been playing a very long time. 12 years. His best year was nine points a game for the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah, 8.7 points a game for the Minnesota Timberwolves. He's a productive player. I think he's an underrated productive. But that's that's a quality. But we're not talking about double figures. He Definitely played some games. Then you talk about Lee Wayans was a different type of guy. Uh, I just thought he was going to be do better, but he only played four years. You know, he didn't do too much. Only played four years. Then you talk about. Archie Diakono, we got to put him in there. He's been doing great. He's been very, very productive. We cannot forget about Ryan Archie Diakono. Cannot forget about him. We come back, we'll talk about recruiting, but I'm just getting on it. Diakono uh, last year had 4.5 points a game. The year before, they got 6.7 points. You know, that's what earned him. 3.3, assists. So that's what earned him their contract just giving you a few pointers on what's going on with Villanova and through all the guys that Jay Wright has in the NBA. And it was crazy because at the time it was real hard to see if Jay Wright was going to get NBA players in there. I mean, he had some guys like Dante and Malik, they was like crawling in there, you know, sneaking in there. Darren Hillard, you know, he got drafted. But, it was when the 2016 championship hit, people was like, oh, okay," but they still didn't recognize. You know, you had a uh, Josh Hart; he didn't come out that year. The next year, he came out. Uh, Jenkins ain't get drafted. A chef who didn't, but he did good in that G League. Um, but 2018 was the year. And that that was it. That was the big. 2016 was the championship. It was like the high. Jay Wright, the championship. He has it. The, the Hall of Fame was certified to me. That's all he needed. He was such a good coach. He had so many successful teams that didn't reach their peak. They all like they expected a lot of teams to go to the championship, at least the grade eight and the final four. And he had one that did, and they didn't do as good. They still didn't do as good as people thought. They thought this team could go to the championship and win it, but they didn't. You're talking about expectations? You're talking about expectations. There were teams before and after that team that was like, "Oh, why they didn't? They always losing in this round. They always losing in that round." 2016 was the breath of fresh air. And then 2018 was like because not only did the second championship over solidify him as a Hall of Famer. They put him in the Who's the best college basketball coach of all time, or Who's the best coach right now in that college basketball. Right now, it's undisputed that Jay Wright is the best coach in the last 10 years, decade coach of the year. Again, he had DiVincenzo, he had Spellman, Brunson and Bridges, all go. And now you got Sadiq Bay this year, another sophomore. First, it was Dante. Both with Dante DiVincenzo, when we come back, we're going to talk about with Dante DiVincenzo, and, and and Sadiq Bay having and we're gonna get on recruiting. When we come back on the next segment of follow the leader. All right, all right, let's get it popping. Recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. I mean, this is it's big right now because you know there's no basketball going on. So I think the recruiting is big. Highly, highly done even more now with football and basketball. I mean, people are recruiting earlier than they would because they can't get the the visits on campus. And right now there's nothing going on, so you have more time to think about schools than play or campus visits. Let's get to it. mess, Christie, well, Does Villanova have a chance? Does Villanova have a chance? That's the big question. Because this is Villanova radio right now. We're talking Villanova radio. You know what I'm saying? Does Villanova have a chance? Does Villanova. Yeah, Villanova has a chance, but who has the best chance right now? It's, it's looking like Michigan State. It, it, I mean, Villanova and Duke have a chance, but right now it's looking like Michigan State. And the Imani Bates hype really forwards that. It forwards that. It puts it in another... Um, I just think that looking at the, the situation because Matt Christie's is not a one and done and Michigan state don't really do one and dones. and So Matt Christie could be a sophomore playing with Imani Bates. That could be a, a national championship team. So I just think if he he's, he's looking more at the the outlook and, and, and you know, you look at analysts saying, yeah, it looks like Max because Matt Christie was never looked at as a one and done guy. And you look at Duke, you know, you, you play with Duke, man, and, and you not a one and done. Guess what? You could possibly be on the bench next year. I'm just saying. Cause they always be in these super classes. But um, or you could have your time reduced. You know, you could be a starter with somebody. It's a five-star off the bench. Nova, I, I think Nova to me was the second option. I think Duke was the third option. Nova's the second option. No question. Nova was all now that Damani Bates commits the hype. Hype Train always does things. The hype train is rolling with Michigan State. So, if you want to ask me, yeah, no question. I think Michigan State ends up getting Max Christie right now. Um, the hype train. As soon as Imani Base committed, you know, talking to, to close sources of Max Christie, he doesn't – it's not a, a certified, but Michigan State is heavily favored to land Max Christie. He's still wondering. He's still thinking. But Michigan State is heavily favored. It's Michigan State and Villanova. It's not Duke. It's not Duke. Sorry, y'all, it's not Duke. <laughs> it's not Duke right now. Duke is number three, though. He loves Duke. He wanted to visit Duke. but And he was going to wait. We'll see what happens. Because Trevor Kills did the same thing in May, around May, saying he was about to commit. And everybody, it was, it was the Virginia hype train. And now Keels is not even committed. But we'll see. But right now, I would say Michigan State. It's just the hype train is on there. The sources are saying, and I hear people saying, and they, what they're saying is that, you know, Michigan State, he, he really likes, he's he really got good with Tom Mizzo. and since I mean, he, he likes Imani Bates' talent, he likes what uh, Michigan State is doing so I'm rocking with Michigan State right now, but it's Villanova's number two Simple fact, Duke is he loves Duke, he loves Coach K he would love to stay two years or three years at Duke. But what does that actually do for you and, in terms of recruiting? You know, Duke has always got the next man up. Now, what happens next? Jordan Longino. John La- Max Christie commits to Michigan State. We automatically land Jordan Longino. Everybody get your heads up. Lord, Jordan Longino could commit right after Max Christie. I'm not talking about the day after. Just, you know, maybe a week after. Because Jordan Longino been waiting. He's been loving... Villanova. Ever since he got the offer, but it was all who's recruiting him, and I think Jordan Longino ends up becoming a Villanova Wildcat. He could be the next Villanova Wildcat to commit. If next, if when Max Christian commits, and and if it's not Villanova, Michigan State. Tom Izzo was a legend. He, really, you see how he just broke into Villanova and Dukes. House and, and put himself in the house and sat down and drunk some tea. And <laughs> I love college I love basketball. I love good basketball IQ. I love recruiting. So this was a good, good battle between three powerhouses. If Michigan State lands him, if it doesn't, it's Villanova. It's Villanova. It's Villanova. As much as he loves Duke, it's Villanova. But Michigan State just looked like the hype train is rolling toward Max Christie joining. Imani Bates, him being a junior. It looks like that. Now, um, not junior, I'm sorry, sophomore playing with Imani. It's unbelievable looking at. Michigan State just looks like a good team this year. And they're, they're looking like a team. You know when uh, it was Duke and Kentucky so much recruiting and then good teams. Now you're looking at Memphis and Michigan State like, whoa. I mean, they're really re- recruiting good. They're, they're bringing on good players. You look at Arizona. You look at Louisville. It's good recruiting going on. But once again, with another thing, Jordan Longino, if Max Christie, I said this before, if Max Christie goes to any other school, it's Jordan Longino's in the bag. He's a he's a villain of a wildcat, and he's a six five guy that can play the three. Who can shoot? He play the three. He's a long guy. He can play that small forward position. He can score any position. Uh, we'll see how good he has. He has good defensive uh, potential. I think he can get better at defense, honestly. But with his length and how he plays from up and down the court, I'm rolling with. Him being a better defensive player, because a lot of players are better defensive players. DiVincenzo, uh a better defensive player, even Brunson become better defensive players when they come to Villanova playing for Jay Wright. Now, Longino can be a, a guy that can score 17 a game for Villanova. Like Longino is not a slouch. Okay? If anybody knows who Longino is, uh Longino is a high four star. High four star guy. Um time to really get on to Longino now because only because there's a very big possibility. Um, Indiana's after him. LaSalle's after him hard. Merlin's after him. Um, there are other school so I will have info for y'all on online Gino. he's one of the, it's crazy because and two four seven composite if anybody wants to know what what two four seven sports composite it's the rating of all recruiting sites together it gives you rivals it gives you espN all together with two four seven sports rating and it, and it accumulates what they are he's a top hundred guy but in two four seven he's number thirty two like Longino is a real good player. You know, Max Christie's up there in the top 20. But you get a guy like Longino, and it really puts your class somewhere else. Still. I just think Longino ends up being a note. Now we have to change things up. If Max Christie doesn't commit to Nova, in which I'm I'm leaning more toward, it, now with what's going on, Villanova, I give them a five if they want to do the ratings and stuff, right? I, I love the way two four seven did that. I say it's a five. It used to be a seven for Chrissy to join Nova. Now it's a five. You know, I think um, no, no question. But with, with Longino, it's a hundred percent lock. If Matt Christie joins, it's a hundred percent lock. We get Jordan Longino. It's hundred percent lock. We get Jordan Longino if Matt Christie commits to Pennsylvania State, and that's that's a damn good commission commit right there germantown shout out to germantown germantown academy g-town it's my guys man i I got so much peoples over there that you know shout out to a lot of people out there and he's a he's a baller he's a he's a nova baller because nova gets good scores to get the shot selection from the outside christy was just perfect i think out of all the people that recruited christy was the most perfect because of his outside shot and what he can do from the outside and, and, and with by right into what their schemes is, and he would become a better defense. He would become a better player. I think he would be a better player coach by Jay Wright, but Izzo's a good player. I mean, Izzo's a good coach. But now Longino's going to get there, and he's a scorer. He's not even a shooter like Christian from the outside, but he can shoot from the outside. He can light it up. He can simply light it up. If I had to compare him to anybody, it would be a, a taller C.J. McCullough. Taller, longer C.J. McCullough. Jordan Longino's that type of guy. Um on a lot of gifts, a lot of things that are going on, I really feel like knows that guy. You want to talk about you know, Langston Love and where he's at. What type of player you know, uh he is. Langston Love is one of those type of guys who why why does Villanova like him so much? And I still think he could commit next. Villanova could really lock up this class real soon. No question. They could really lock up this class real soon. Really could. Um Arkansas is in for him. Kansas, these are two schools. He's always going to let Texas get involved. I mean, he has three Texas schools involved with him. But Villanova, and once again, here comes Kansas. That is one school that, you used to be Duke, Kentucky, and Kansas is one school that always puts their nose in Villanova recruits. Like four, excuse me, four, Texas A&M, Texas, Texas Tech, Baylor, Jesus. Then, you know, Oklahoma State, you want to stay to the South. You want to stay closer to the South. So you have to look at what's going on. You know, he's really weighing his options. And he's being, he's being cool. He's sitting back. But Langston Love and Longino now look like that's it. That looked like a, a a good class. I, I'm I'm Love is hundred percent Villanova. I gotta see a change. I ain't see a change. I, I remember I was on Max Christie. I think they was all. I said they was all in the same contention. And I said if I had to pick one right now, I pick Villanova. But now the hype train, you know, I had to. I heard the the hype train going, and so I had to see what was going on. You know, and when and Imani Bates committed. I'm talking about as soon as the money base committed, there was there was the hype train of Max Christie. So I had to see what was going on, hit, hit my uh sources up. And it looks like that it could be Michigan State. It really do. It's, it's not a certified thing, but it's not like he's leaning toward more right now, Michigan State. And that's what it seemed like. He's leaning toward Michigan State. He still hasn't made the ultimate choice, but if I had to make one today, it would be Michigan State. So now you look at who else would be on Villanova's, you know, on, on, on their thing. And I think uh Russell Diggins, People, Russell Diggins, we're going to have to start looking at that one. Russell Diggins. There was a there was a, the staff met him on May 27th. I mean, not May 27th, but staff met him in May. OK. Uh, it's like, the, I think it was the 28th. I think it was that. They a whole staff. And then you still got UConn making, and you know, UConn's making big uh, strides toward him. They're really trying to get to him. But Kansas is, is hard on him. It's going to be another, there we go again, Kansas. Kansas is going after love, and they're going after dig I think Kansas is just mad about Jeremiah Robinson Earl. You know, um, it's a lot of good and the only thing that's stopping Rasul Diggins from um only thing that's stopping Rasul Diggins from being that that person, that guy to commit is just that. I mean, it's just, he's weighing his options. He's weighing his options. Stevie Mitchell doing the same thing. Doing the same thing. You know, Nova's in there. And I'm about to tell you some things. That's why I'm kind of like slowing down. Because I want y'all, this point guard battle was big. That's just big. It's huge. Huge. It's huge. And so we're going to get to it. We're going to get to this point guard battle. We're going to let it, yes, we're going to get to this point guard battle. Because everybody wants to know what's going on with the point guards. Everybody wants to know how is it looking? know how is it looking and the point guard battle okay let's do it let's do it let's break them down Angelo Brizzy mm-hmm. you know you got LSU Michigan Georgetown that them it is some good and Arizona is another one at them Offered, he was offered on my mom's birthday by Arizona on May 26th. There's a lot of good players that are going to be on this recruiting class. And if you want to know about the point guard bat, I think that's the biggest thing. man. I think everybody's been on the Max Christie situation. I think everybody's been on Lengths and love situation. I think everybody is, is, is thrilled about the Trey Patterson situation. They was on Trey Patterson. But well, let's talk big time about and, and if, if Christie commits, if Christie commits, I also see another offer coming up. It's another offer that could come up. A lot of guys, Tamar Bates, just keep on. Let's keep, but it could be somebody else. Could be somebody else. Um, Mar Bates is a combo guard. Right, six4 combo guard let's just, let's just let's just keep that in mind that there could be a situation All right Jordan Longino Gino is is going to be a hometown kid they Villanova lands if they don't because right now it's just looking like Villanova that's what it's looking like it's looking like Villanova Also, Jalen Warley. I can definitely say this real, real big about Jalen Warley. He's a he's a five star, and everybody like, oh, commit, give give Jalen Warley your uh offer. They got other guards. They got Langston Love. They're going there. They're not going to give him because he's a combo. No, they got Langston Love. They already got a combo guy. They already got a guy. And they're after a point guard and Russell Diggins. They're after three of the top five guys in Pennsylvania. All right, they recruited John Camden. Um, Lerongre third is a guy to watch out for. No question. Frank Capnang, I just don't they're not going after him. No, they're not going after no more centers. They didn't even go after him hard. But J, if if, if Jalen Worley's a guy to watch out for, I'm just gonna tell you that. This is the blue, this this is the what I say is the the sleeper here. Because Tamar Bates is one guy. But so is Jalen Ward. These are two guys they're looking at Jalen Ward and Tamar Bates. They're looking at those guys. And it has a lot to do with the Langston Love and point guard battle. Rasul Diggins and, and Longino, if they get, they're looking at three of the top five guys in PA. That That's the battle. And they're trying to get at least two. That would be big to get, you know, some PA guys, especially a Philly guy, a couple of Philly guys. Diggins, he's from Archbishop Wood. They're after Diggins. They want Rasul Diggins. Y'all want to know who they're after? It's Rasul Diggins. You know, Stevie Mitchell, they love Stevie Mitchell. Stevie Mitchell loves Villanova. No question, Stevie Mitchell loves Villanova. You know, um, like I say, Diggins has Dayton, another good school. After him, Miami, Miami, he likes that. He likes them. He likes Miami, Florida. Of course, he loves home. He loves St. Joe's as home, but it's not like he loves, like he likes Dayton or Kansas. But Villanova is that school. Villanova is that school. Who I see Diggins going to, even, but it's all who commits because Mitchell loves Villanova too. But Temple has done such a great job. And it's crazy because Temple could easily get Mitchell and Greer. But that's that's a good battle. Mitchell and Greer is a good battle. But Marquette and Stanford and Georgia Tech and LaSalle are doing hard jobs to recruit Stephen Mitchell. It's a toss-up. Stevie Mitchell just has his his schools and it's a toss-up. LaSalle's not in his final schools, but you know, uh his top schools, but LaSalle really loves Stevie Mitchell. Which we go back to the Stevie Mitchell situation. Let's break everything down. Let's break everything down before we ride out here. Stevie Mitchell is he came on he's a late riser. that's the big thing. he's a late riser. and so you look at Stevie Mitchell. he's a late riser and schools at them and I think Stanford is a school to me Stanford is a, it's the big school to watch out for. They're a the big school to watch out for Dy Miami Stanford and uh, Miami it's the schools to watch out for. He likes St. Joe. He knows you go to St. Joe, he can get the ball instantly in his hand. Temple, same thing. So those guys ended up being in there. Stanford has been recruiting them hard. And Villanova likes them a lot. He loves Villanova. I remember talking to him before he even got that offer. And I was going to talk to him for Temple recruiting. And, 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 you know, because, you know, he liked Temple, St. Joe, LaSalle. So I was like, yo, I'm going to talk to you. And next thing you know, here come the top seven. So that was big for for him to get that Villanova offer. He's pondering big time on where he wants to go. But Rasul Diggins is the big guy. I think Brizzy and Diggins are big guys that Villanova is recruiting real hard. But the guy that they are really wanting is Diggins. They're trying to lock up Diggins. Brizzy, they were trying to lock him up first. Brizzy wanted to explore his recruiting. Uh, they like Brizzy. They think he's good. They would love to have him. But, you know, when you sit there and you start weighing your options, Villanova has to go on other recruits. And then, you know, Diggins gets the offer. Then Diggins started looking at other offers, you know. And then they went to Mitchell. But it wasn't like Diggins was waving Villanova off if Brizzy was. It's just that they were taking too long. So for them to sit there and focus on one guy, don't have an all, because offers mean everything. You know, recruits are weighing things on offers they get. And so as you can see, Diggins has Villanova. It's a highly recruited school. I remember talking to Diggins before he got the Villanova offer. I remember talking to him. He was like, man, I love Villanova, but I haven't got an offer from him yet. You know, they'll be one of my top schools if they give me an offer. Wow. And they're pursuing him hard. And he's looking hes looking hard at other schools like Kansas that's offered him. He's looking real hard at those top of schools. Real hard. Diggins is looking real hard at the schools that have offered him like Kansas, you know. Like DePaul did so good last year after Big East. But DePaul doesn't have a chance over Villanova of getting Diggins unless Villanova lays off. Villanova is pursuing him hard. Miami is pursuing him hard. Kansas, Diggins is looking real good right now to a lot of schools. Cheating Hall is looking at Diggins real hard. Penn State is looking at Diggins real hard. Villanova, I think, lands Diggins at the end of the day. They want Diggins. They like Diggins. You got Colin Gillespie who is the OG of Archbishop Wood. You know, he's a starter there. Diggins likes what's going on with with the guards. He likes what's going on with Gillespie. I talked to him, you know, before for 247. And he likes the way Villanova develops their guards. It's all about who Villanova goes after, the hearts. And right now, Villanova's in a good place because they have three-point guards with offers. And if they go after one and it doesn't work out, they have two other ones that are still hot for Villanova. But they're going after Diggins. Diggins is the one. Diggins is the one who's the number one guy. They like all three of them big, but right now Diggins is the guy. And it's all who, they're going after all of them. They're keeping up with Stevie Mitchell. They're keeping up with Diggins. And they're keeping all of them at the same time. They're pursuing all three of them. But I think automatically, Diggins is the guy. I think Diggins is the one, no question, because you, you look over there, you hear about what his team talked about, where he's at, people around him. Diggins loves Villanova. And to see what happened with Colin Gillespie, he loves that. A guy from his school, he loves it. And, and you ask, well, who commits? You ask who commits? What guy commits? Who's high, highly on Villanova? All of them are high on Villanova. All three of them are high on Villanova. This is the best battle in the whole recruiting thing because Villanova turned up the juice. And don't think that if one guy commits, they will going to go after another guy. You say, why they didn't go after Jalen Warley? Because Diggins is a better point guard. Royley's really a shooting guard. You're going after a guy. So they want a point guard. All three of these guys can play point guard and still be dynamic. They already have Langston Love. They're going after. You got Jordan Longino with 6'5". You're going to play him between the 2 and the 3 if you, if you get him or if you get Christie, Because now you got to put Longino in there but real hard because Christie could definitely – commit to Michigan State, and I'm picking that. But it's the point guard battle. The point guard battle is the hardest one to, to pick at, and right now it's Diggins. If y'all want to see who I'm saying, it's Diggins. Diggins is the guy who's going to commit to Villanova. No question. It's going to be Diggins. Until I see – I don't see no change in that. Uh, Mitchell likes Temple a lot, and Stanford is another big-time school. Brizzy with Georgetown and Arizona. That that Georgetown and Arizona are two schools you got to watch out for. When it comes to bridges, I think Diggins collapses everybody for Villanova. Where, where does Villanova stand with uh, Mitchell? He's high. Just because I say Temple in Miami, you don't mean Villanova ain't right there. They can knock him right off. What? What we're we not talking about is Trevor Kills, huh? Trevor Kills, baby. I wanted to wait for that one because this is really a four-man battle. Trevor Kills can easily play point guard. Can easily play point guard. If Trevor Kills commits to Villanova, there's no Diggins, there's no Mitchell, there's no Brizzy. That's the news. There's just none of them. It's between Villanova and Virginia still. It's still a Villanova-Virginia battle. I don't care who anybody says, still Villanova and Virginia. Let's just see what happens. Let's see what Kills likes. I'm going to get out of here, y'all. Uh, But it's kills. Who I think kills chooses. I'm still undecided on that one. They're they're just. If I had to pick somebody, if I had to pick, man, 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 man. I think it's Virginia by edge. So I'm out here, y'all. Follow the leader.